Oh, hello friends, welcome back. Today's guest is Beiju Solanki, performance psychologist and accountability coach. After hearing bombs of knowledge and pearls of wisdom on Clubhouse, I wanted to invite him on the show to chat further about how we can all level up our game and be the best version of ourselves. Today, expect to learn whether high performance is a science or an art, why do some people succeed and others don't, what causes someone to procrastinate, what the definition of high performance is, how important is accountability really, what habits Beiju has that ensures he always stays on top of his game, what the launch of Clubhouse has done for his business, and much, much more. It's always a pleasure talking to someone with a similar mindset, and I am grateful to be able to share the insights of today's conversation with you. You do not want to miss this episode. In other news, this episode of the podcast is sponsored by Bean Coffee. The past year has been pretty mundane with restrictions and boredom and obviously the same routine, but it's meant that finding joy in every day can sometimes be a bit challenging. However, one thing I do look forward to every single day is my morning cup of bean coffee. I've been drinking their coffee now for almost 18 months and I can vouch that this stuff is awesome. They deliver directly to your door on a subscription basis, either every week, fortnight or month, and you can even choose how it comes, whole bean or ground. I get the £20 a month subscription that gives me four times 200 gram bags of high-grade quality personality beans that make my mornings the best part of the day. 20 quid for almost a kilo of coffee. It's a no-brainer, really. Listeners of the show are able to get 10% off everything online by just keying in the code JACK10. So head over to www beancoffee.co.uk and check out their amazing selection and order yourself some amazing coffee. I promise you, you will never buy supermarket beans again. Right, now it's time to raise our game with Beiju Selenki. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Jack Ravel Show. Today's guest is Beiju Solanki, performance psychologist and accountability coach. And what we're doing today is talking about what is high performance? You know, why do people tend to uh, perform better than others when we're all, you know, humans at the end of the day? Um, and a big thing that uh, I know I've struggled with in the past, but uh, have learned to battle with, which is procrastination, right? We, we have this thing that we, you know, don't do things for whatever reason. We can't figure it out. So Beiju's here to uh, dive a little bit deeper into this subject. So Beiju, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you, Jack. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, excited to talk about a whole host of things. So yeah, let's go ahead. Fantastic. Good stuff. So before we get started, we we know each other through Clubhouse, which is the wonderful yeah. stage that is. Uh, to be honest, I haven't been on it recently. I've, I've been sort of deep diving into a bit more uh, of my back-end stuff, but I know that you're super, super hot on, on, on Clubhouse. Before we get going, how how has Clubhouse changed you, your business and, and your life in the last six months? Yeah, no, it's been it's been a game changer for me. You know, I've been I've been very active on social media, all different platforms: Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Probably Facebook and Instagram were the two that I'm really focused on. I started using LinkedIn quite a lot uh, prior to Clubhouse, and then like everybody, Clubhouse came at a time where we're all looking for connection. You know, we're in lockdown, we're stuck at home. You know, especially running your own business, and um, you know, you, you, when you're doing your own thing, you have teams, but they're re- working remotely. Yeah. 
So Clubhouse came along and all of a sudden, there was a lot of people on there that I I knew anyway, while we connected with them, and obviously new people like yourselves that we connect. And you realize that the great thing about Clubhouse was, it was three things really. Number one, it was like a very new audio app. You know, all the other platforms are either text-based, picture-based or video-based. So you've got this audio app and it was like fascinating because you didn't, for especially I know women say a lot, he goes, this was great because you didn't have to worry about what you look like, do your hair, makeup and all the rest of it. And literally you could use it as a radio, but it's interactive. So that was novel. The second thing about it was um, uh, when you're in these rooms, you realize that if you don't like something, that this leave quietly button, right? If you don't like it, you just move away. So very quickly, you're surrounded with like-minded individuals. Because if you're in a room and you don't like them or they don't resonate, you just leave, right? It's not like in a physical environment, like you go to a conference and you're stuck there, oh, I've paid for this, I'm here for five hours now, what do I do? Or you go to a meeting and you can't really leave. Here, you've got complete free choice. So uh, you tend then, you know, the way Clubhouse works, the, the people you follow determines your, your hallway, so to speak. So you know, it reinforces who you want to see. So you start to go into rooms. And when you're with like-minded people, you don't have to then justify who you are. You don't have to explain who you are. They get it with a certain mindset. And the third thing was that quickly we found that the voice gave trust equity so quickly is that I could speak for five minutes, giving value, maybe answering a question or whatever it may be. And what you found was the, the trust that someone who doesn't know you, they trusted you really quickly. And that was measured by either them sending you like a, a direct message on Instagram or maybe a commenting back or giving you a follow straight away. Whereas other platforms I found that the, 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 the trust uh, needed longer to be built. And I found that spending one day quite focused on Clubhouse was equivalent of like a month on other platforms from the point of view of building trust. So for me, it's been a game changer in that respect where, you know, so first for two weeks, it was like headless chicken all over the shop. And then I got quite confronted because I knew, knew a lot of people in there and I got confronted thinking, going into rooms and people were asking questions. I could answer that question, but oh, there was someone else in there because they had either more money or perceived more success. Why would they want to listen to me? They'd listen to that answer. And you get all this stuff going on. You compare yourself. And so I came off Clubhouse, <clears throat> excuse me, I came off Clubhouse for a few days. And then I thought, right, how do I, I need to be myself. Because if you're not, you just, you know, you know intellectually that. So I went on Clubhouse and I thought, right, I'm just going to be myself. And one or two things are going to happen. Either I'm going to be liked or not liked. And if I'm liked, great, we'll just carry on and use the platform and see what comes about. If I don't like, great, I'll park it, move on. And it's just not for me. Fortunately, I got uh, uh, people liked what I was saying. You know, I'm quite direct, but, you know, I'm, I'm a bit sort of funny as well, a bit cheeky and sort of have a bit of a laugh. And it's been a game changer. And I've, you know, from a revenue point of view, you know, talk about return on engagement and return on investment. From a revenue point of view, it's been it's been really good and, and worthwhile. And since that moment, I've been uh, just more strategic. So I know what rooms I want to go in. I run a few of my own rooms. And then you start getting into, you start building like us, for example. It's like, although we've never met, we've probably spoken five, six times on Clubhouse. We're doing this Zoom now, this uh, podcast, and it's been great. So for me, it's been a game changer. Love that. You know, I completely agree with you. I think there is um, there's two sides of the argument, which is what is is interesting. The side that you just explained, it is beneficial to people who know how to use it properly. You know, the people that go in there and and, and give value, share value, also listen to other people, and kind of give take, give take. 
but there is an element of it that I've heard from a lot of people that is such a time sucker. And the mm. thing is, I think if you go in without an intention, it's it's like anything. You could spend, it's like a YouTube rabbit hole, right? You could spend hours just watching back and back and back. And it's the same with listening. And so I think that with Clubhouse, definitely there is an intention part of it. If you go on looking for something, whether it be information or whether it's to share information to people that potentially want to come into your ecosystem, that's the powerful part of it. But yeah, I love that. I thought I just wanted to touch on that because uh, yeah. I spoke to a few people about Clubhouse and everyone's got a different opinion. And, 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 and the fundamental difference is with other platforms, you can, you can post something and then go away and people can interact with your stuff. And then you can come back and reply, engage, whatever. Well, Clubhouse, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. When you're on it, you're on it real time. Yeah. So yeah. it can be a time suck if you don't understand why you want to use it, how are you going to use it, and for what reason. Absolutely. No, it's, it's brilliant. And I, uh, I'm looking forward to kind of coming back onto it in the near future. I think it's uh, it's certainly somewhere where you can really leverage not just your expertise and your knowledge, but also kind of other people's as well and learn as you go, which is great. So Beiju, one thing I do want to really touch on today, which is is kind of like high performance, right? And 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 how do people become the best versions of themselves? Now, there's a question I want to start with, which is, is high performance a science or is it an art? Oh, there's definitely a science behind it, but there's an art in execution. Brilliant. Let's let's so, go both so, into so, what's so, start start with the science. So when, you, so when you think about any high performance, whether it's sport, business, and any life, right? There, there are certain patterns, you know, to quote one of the biggest, well, famous life coaches out there, Tony Robbins, you know, success leaves clues. So there's certain patterns that you see. One is routines and habits. You know, you, you often say, show me your habits and I'll show you how successful the individual is. Show me, show me someone's routine and I'll show you how um, successful they are in terms of what they do. So there's definitely, there's definitely science around that. But as human creatures, it's not linear. So, for example, I could give you a formula for someone else's model of success. And if you take that formula literally, it, it won't work for you, literally. Because there's an art in terms of understanding your nuances, whether it's based on your personality type, whether it's based on your, you know, we've all got a story. We've all got stuff that's happened in the past. So one man's routine is another man's torture chamber. So you need to understand that, you know, people, some people say, yeah, 5 a.m. club. So unless you don't wake up at 5 a.m., you're not high performance. So there's definitely science behind certain things. Then it's about right, taking what part of that science would work for you. And understanding and, and what will work for you. And then that's the art form, the art of actually execution. And I often talk about high performance um, is predicated on free, life's a game, free core games. And this is sort of my model, if you like. And there's three games that we're playing there's the inner game, which is your mindset, your thoughts, emotions. And what you find is that at the core level, if you're not getting what you want, or you're not performing in the way that you feel in terms of uh, the kind of success you want, first place to look is what's the mindset that you're coming from? What's the thought? What's the inner game playing at? Once you look at the inner game, you have a lot of answers in terms of what you need to do next. Then you look at your second game, which is your game plan. So what's the strategy that allows you to have what you want, whether that's from a business point of view or life point of view? So let's take a simple example of my strategy. I, I want to be successful in my relationship. I want to, I'm single, but I want to find a relationship and I want to be successful. So what's the mindset? Do you believe you're worthy? Do you think that you want what kind of individual you want to be partnered with? So the mindset needs to be of, of abundance. Then what's the game plan? Right. Do I go on dates? Do I go to singles parties? Do I, you know, how do I operate that? And when I'm on the date, what's the strategy? How do I play? How do I ensure that I get what I want, but also be there for them? So the strategy. And then the third game is the outer game, which is the, which is the, the actions you take, the execution. And how do you execute and how how um, 
consistent and persistent near your actions. And when you look at any high performance individual or someone who does perform high, those three games are at play. It's not just one thing. It's not that, oh, they've got a great mindset. They have to have a clear strategy and also they need to be persistent in their actions. The thing about actions is this, Jack. You can take an action and not always get the outcome you want. So this, this is why the strategy is important. So if you don't get the outcome you want, you look back at your strategy, you say, okay, does, do, do we need to pivot? So the strategy might be still sound, but the tactic within the strategy needs to be adjusted. But where people don't get high performance, they, they, they go down a road, they, it's like this thing whereby uh, if you keep doing what you're doing, don't expect something different. So they keep pushing somewhere, they're not getting different, but you don't understand, I don't do it that way. You don't understand, I'm a perfectionist. You don't understand, it wouldn't work for me. So they're so sort of uh, blinkered in terms of their way of being that they don't even adjust their mindset. So it doesn't matter about the strategy or the execution. One caveat of that is this. It doesn't, it's not like caveats at the top. It's a fluid thing. For some people, it's like, I need to take some action in order to trigger the mindset that I need. For other people, if I have a, cl a clear plan, an overall plan, not so much detail, that allows me to have an abundance mindset. So how do you know which one is which? How, how do you know which would work for individual? Well, it's the conversation. You understand what's worked in the past, what could work in the future, and and the context as well. So the context of a, a sporting achievement might be different to uh, a business challenge, might be different to a life challenge. So it's definitely, there's a science behind it, but I would say the execution is art. A great analogy. I love that. I think that so many people, as you said, like, you know, the, the great quotes of, you know, success leaves clues and that, you know, uh, there's no, nothing really is new and invented these days. It's all just repurposed and re-evaluated. Re, re Comes down to, you know, the knowledge is there, the information is there. We can all use it to our advantage, but we just don't. So what is, the, what do you think in your opinion is the reason why people, some people succeed? You see people making millions and millions three times over, over and over again, and other people seem to struggle with everything they try what's the what's the main difference there well if you think about if you read stuff around sort of growth and fixed mindset and abundance mindset i think there's clues there if you look at someone who's not as successful as someone else but they supposedly on the surface have the resources maybe the talent and skills and you really dig deep you often think actually the mindset there's an issue around the mindset in terms of what they haven't done or not done and then it's about okay um there's a bit of braveness and risk are, are you brave you know what how brave are you to, to take action you know we're talking about having courage and there's a perception to feel that when you look at someone who's successful that they don't uh, experience or suffer fear they do they just have a better way of handling it and they turn fear into courage now i've got this great analogy of, of how to deal with fear imagine fear is undiluted orange squash so let me ask you jack if you drunk undiluted orange squash how would it taste awful awful so what do you need to put in it to make it taste better Water. Water, right. If you put one drop of water in it, would it taste much different? Not really. Not really. But if I continually to put dro drops of water, eventually it will taste good, yeah? Absolutely. Has the orange juice gone anywhere? No. It's just diluted. The impact of the orange juice is not great. So imagine orange juice is fear. The water is an action. So every drop of water is one action. So the more action you take around that fear, the fear starts to dilute. So the fear doesn't go anywhere. And as soon as you stop taking action, the fear comes back. So the continuous repeated actions around something needs to happen then. So when you look at high performers, they're confronted with fear all the time, but they're allowing, what do I need to do here? Who do I need to be? 
what action can I take? Even the micro action, whereas some people who may not be as successful, they may overthink, they may over plan, they may sort of, that's where the procrastination comes in. And there's a difference between procrastinating and taking time out through self-care or self-love, etc. I love that analogy. I think it's perfect. I, I, I've heard one before and I use this a lot in, in, in what I, I teach some of my students and, and friends, but about the whole idea of that confidence is a part of, it's not, it's not a requirement, it's the result. So when somebody says, oh, I need confidence to be on stage or I need confidence to start a business or I need confidence to talk to that person. No, you don't, right? Confidence is actually the result, not the requirement. Yeah. And you, in order to get the confidence or requirement, you just need to prepare so like you just said, action, 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 and then practice, right? It's just practicing that over and over and over again, you know, because ultimately the more you do something, the better you get at it. And therefore the more confident you are as a result. Yeah, I, I love the, the, the squash analogy. It's definitely going to stick in my mind. That's good. Nice one. Procrastination. It's a funny word because it means so many different things to so many different people. But ultimately the, the, the essence of the word is that you don't do what you know you should be doing, right? Yeah. Why do people not do the thing they know they need to do in order to get where they need to go? Hmm. Several, several reasons. One, it's like the the fear of the outcome, uh, or fear of the process. You know, it, they, they they over the of doing the thing. Oh my God, will I find out I can't do it? Will I realize that it's too big for me? So then I need to plan more. I need to get more information. There's a delaying tactic, or actually they don't really believe that as a result of doing the thing, the outcome is going to be uh, what they want. So they 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 sort of you know over over. Uh, delay things and actually do you believe in the thing so for example uh, let's in our world lots of people want to do want to launch courses right you know like online courses or stuff and there was one individual I was working with oh i haven't done the landing page i need to get the shopping cart and all this little bit and everything and i said to him i said say it's ready right now i've got a gun to your head you've got to get it ready it's what do you think will happen and then through a bit of conversation he goes bottom line is he didn't think people will buy it right i said right there's a fundamental belief. You don't really believe. So you're sort of doing these delaying tactics. I've got this because then he's got excuses. Because if he does release it on based on his perception that the color wasn't right or the font wasn't right, well, that's why people didn't buy it. So I've got to get it perfect. So I don't want to not get it perfect and people not buy it will say, I didn't get it perfect. Actually, no, you just don't believe in the thing. So we, we have all these reasons. And then once you get into action, you realize actually nine times out of 10, what I find in my experience working with clients is it's not as bad as I thought it was. Or actually, I'm trying to do the wrong thing, right? Actually, there's something else I need to do. You know, I've gone step ahead. That's why it seems overwhelming because actually the reason this thing seems hard is I haven't done the pre-step. All right, that's why that thing's hard. Um, so it's all that stuff. And the other part of it is this, right? is if you actually take action and you get some results, the result might not what you want. So now you think, where do I go now? You know, there's a lot of people who settle in life, Jack. And my assertion is this, that they settle because if they really played full out, imagine you played full out on everything and you didn't get what you want. You're like, where do I go now? Oh my God, I, 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 I'm not that great then. That's more devastating to absolutely know I'm not that great than... The possibility of, well, I could have been, but I didn't try that hard. And it's a subconscious conversation. Um, but we also know that when you do play full out, as a result of playing full out, you've got new evidence now. Three things happen when you take an action. Number one, you either get what you want or what you expect. Number two, you don't get what you want or don't get or what you don't expect or a miracle. 
And most people don't get miracles in life because they're looking to avoid number two. And number two is, well, if I take this action, I might not get what I want or what I expect. And they're afraid of that. But the great thing is when you take an action, whichever those three occur, there is now new evidence, new stuff that you think, wow, now I know this because of this, I can take a further action. And that's why people planning is good, but planning too far ahead and trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist yet stops people in their actions. There's a quote uh, or expression that somebody told me a while ago that was, there's, there's something called ROI, which most people will know of. It's the return on investment that you make it, whether it's in yourself or in a business or, or software, whatever it might be, you put money in, you get money out. But there's another one that a lot of people don't actually recognize, which is COI, which is the cost of inaction. And what you just said there is actually so spot on because actually, yeah, people do things to expect an outcome, but actually if they, they, they also stop themselves because they think, oh, what happens if I don't receive that income? And I think the important thing to remember here is that you always learn regardless of whether you do something well or you do something wrong. You know, they, they say in life that, you know, you should regret the things you did rather than the things that you didn't, because you're always going to learn something along the way, which I think is so powerful, but I wanted to ask you specifically, what are the things that you've learned along the way in your career that have shaped you to the person you are today? You know, I'm not um, a traditional entrepreneur. I'm, I'm an academic by background. I used to be a psychology lecturer many, many years ago. Didn't know I wanted to be one. I, I did a degree in psychology, ended up teaching as my first job. I wanted to be a sports psychologist. And again, through different life decisions, that didn't occur. And I went into corporate sales. I was there for nine years, only aiming to be there for six months before I started my own business. So in terms of what, what's the consistent theme in all of in all of those things in my sales job, teaching, and now running my coaching training business is I, I, there's nothing, no better feeling for me than helping someone. So what shaped me is how can I help someone? What do I need to do to help people? And this is one of the different vehicles. Like I've got my own podcast. I'm coming on your podcast, writing my books, going out there, running seminars, doing workshops, speaking on other people's stages. They're all different vehicles and avenues that allow me to do the thing that I love doing, which is helping other people achieve their dreams. And I will say that's a very selfish thing for me, right? I do it for me. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say, I don't get nothing out of it. Absolutely, I do. And that's why I don't believe... There's, there's not, there, I don't think there's anything, uh, there's any such thing than a purely altruistic act. Because even if I go out and go and feed the homeless and give them food, uh, what do I get out of it? I feel good. So I've got something from it, right? Well, I might not get anything sort of tangible, but I feel good about it because I've helped someone else. So the ultimate altruistic act doesn't really exist. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I, there's no better feeling for me than thinking, and so I have a goal when I wake up every day. I want to change someone's life. But what I'm not attached to is how knowing about it. So I could send a tweet out. I could say something on Clubhouse, someone in the audience that will never message me that because I've said something, it makes them think something in a different way, which has changed their course of events, which means they have a better life. I don't need to know. So that, that actually is quite liberating, but also quite a responsibility, meaning it's my duty then to turn up every day. Because if I needed to know, I'd put some stuff out there, Clubhouse, Facebook, and I'd be looking, right, no one's liked it. No one's, oh, well, that was rubbish. I might as well not do it tomorrow now because no one liked my post or no one commented it or no one no one messaged me on Clubhouse saying, oh, that was really good. So then I'm not doing it again. So that becomes all about me. So what shaped me is that it's if I've created this business now, it's my duty now now to serve, not to then, well, oh, I, I, I did something, no one's buying my courses or no one's doing this. Well, then do something else. 
you know, go and work, you know, on a checkout somewhere, which is great as well. Sometimes I envy that. Can you imagine that? I'm not saying anything about, but imagine that your life was fulfilled being a checkout at a supermarket. You're just like ding, ding, great, because you speak to anyway. That's a different story, <laughs> but yeah. So yeah. So what? So what shaped me is helping others. Yeah, I love that. I think you're absolutely right. Just to just touch on that, I do have my days sometimes where I think like, why am I doing what I do when it's so stressful and I've got this worried about? And I do sometimes think I would like to actually have that that you know full time job where I know what I get. I know I go in, I get this done, I get that done, and I get paid this at the end of the month. But then I had that moment of like, ah, but I can't take a holiday whenever I want to, and that's what stops yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, a big part of what you do is is accountability. And I've heard you multiple times on Clubhouse talk about, you know, keeping something accountable. And it's the only thing sometimes that stops someone from actually doing, not doing the thing they say they're going to do, right? Yeah. So first of all, let me just ask you, why is accountability so important? Because it works. And, you know, I didn't realize I'm sort of the accountability coach until people started saying that on, because my coaching style is this. When I'm working with someone, I say, okay, what does success look like in three months, six months, 12 months time? And then we start to reverse engineer it. Okay, if success looks like this in 12 months, whether that's a revenue target, number of clients, business, life, whatever it is, then okay, what needs to happen leading up to that and reverse engineer it? It's not always linear. It doesn't mean that for that to be in month 12, month, month six needs to look like this. There's an element around it. So then once we understand the, the map, then I say to people, okay, well, what's the um, what's the action we need to do? So how do we move the needle today? What's the micro action? And it doesn't have to necessarily be a sales school. It could be do some research. It could be taking time out. It could be actually getting healthy. Whatever the thing is. And then what you find is that like, there was a study done by the American Society of Training Development. Is they found that when someone sets a goal, no, when someone has an idea and then that's it, they're 10% likely to fulfill the idea. When you actually take idea and take some action on it without accountability you're 30 or 40 percent likely to get it done if you now have some accountability with it you're 64 percent more likely 65 percent more likely to get it done if with the accountability you are you agree on deadlines you are 95 percent more likely to get that uh, thing done and so it just works so why does it work there's three things number one is all of a sudden somebody else is invested in you that is not emotionally attached to the outcome. So when you've got that, um, it's that you have to then deliver not only for your own benefit, but for the accountability part. The other thing is, is we as humans have this thing called pride. You know, we don't want to seem like the failure. I don't want to seem like the one that let the team down, uh, whatever level your competitiveness is. We just don't want to be the one that's last, whatever it is. There's that. And the third thing about accountability is this, is that you actually... Um, you actually feel better, right? When you get the thing done, you know, I run sort of accountability groups and what you often find is, is I say to people, look, you, you're going to get the project done, whatever that is, but you will discover something about yourself that you don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. At the end of the program, they often say, I said, what did you discover? Like last week we had a program and they said, I really discovered that I, I'm not really as organized as I thought. That was one person. Another person said is, I say yes too much to many people because I realized I had to find time to get this project done. And I there was about 30, 20, 30% of my time occupied by things where I know I didn't get nothing out of it. I said yes to someone for no, you know, for, I don't know why, because maybe, and they felt actually, because I don't want to seem to be rude or not liked. So all of a sudden I started eliminating things that occupied my time that didn't really serve me. So by doing the process of accountability, they said, I found like 30% more time than I thought I had. It's always there because you haven't organized yourself. So 
you find things about yourself when you're account you're held accountable by a third party it's like that whole thing about blinkers you mentioned at the very beginning that people people don't necessarily see what's going on in their own life and they need other people to open that 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 vision up for them and, and you're absolutely right you know when you're held accountable for something you suddenly have not just the thing you want to achieve but somebody else that you're trying to achieve it for and it, it comes you're absolutely right that pride thing it's that almost that human um nature of like oh i need to prove something to someone that i can do this and i think that and i think if you're somebody who sets goals and somebody who wants to achieve anyway you have an element of of pride and an element of, of tenacity in, uh, inside you that means you want to prove something to someone even if it's just yourself to yeah. get to the place where you want to go so i think it's really really powerful Beju, who keeps you accountable? How do you stay accountable for what you want to achieve? So there's three things my clients do. You know, I have to, you know, I have this uh, philosophy that I'm never late for anything. I just don't. I'm just not late. So when I start with a client, I'll say to them, right, every session, every interaction, I will never be late. And I'll put that to you. And then, and then they're like, okay. I said, now, my expectation is you're not late. You're paying for this, so you better not be late. And uh, it's a non-negotiable. I'm dealing with a big corporate at the moment, one of the big four big, uh, big four blue chips. And notoriously in corporates, you know, well, the late happens, you know, meetings overrun, you know, you get delayed. I said, non-negotiable for me. And the first first interaction, this director, he was literally three minutes late for the Zoom. Okay, well, no, oh, hi, hi, hi. I went, no, 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 you're late. No, no, only three minutes. I said, you're late. It doesn't work like that. I said, this is not about being sort of, oh, you know, it's about respect. It's also about you understanding the importance. Imagine this, that you gave yourself a commitment for the next week, you're never late for anything. And I'll put that to you, Jack, is for the next week, can you give yourself a commitment? You're never going to be late for anything. And that even, that even means personal appointments. You might say, right, I'm going to go to the gym at seven o'clock. You go to the gym at seven o'clock. No one needs to know about it. And what I found is when someone makes that commitment to themselves, their, um, uh, there's change, their life changes. So keep your words, say what you're going to say, when you're going to say, and never be late. I promise you, your life will be unrecognizable. So my clients keep me accountable. I've got like a, a mastermind group myself. So we meet once a month. We sort of talk about different things. And then I've got a number of actions that we hold accountable to. And uh, yeah, and my mentor as well. You know, we we speak we speak regularly on, on stuff. So absolutely, I need it as well. And my health coach as well. I don't know if you saw, I did a big transformation about uh, a year and a half ago i lost 20 kilos and this stuff and so every week he gives me after checking every monday after filling the form what i've done my nutrition what exercise i've done sleep all the rest of it where my weights are what i'm doing and then yeah and then it comes back to me gives me feedback so yeah brilliant so on that how do you actually let me ask you this what is a perfect day or actually a perfect day a great day there is no such thing as a perfect day what is a great day in your book let's let's just go from sort of start to finish uh, well if it's a working day where i'm serving then the mornings are non-negotiable you know i'm usually up half five six and then between that and 10 i don't have anything before 10 i either go for a long walk hour and a half walk or i'll go to the gym you know, depending on which gym day or not uh, I come back have breakfast and i meditate for a bit so between sort of five six and ten Monday to Friday, definitely, that's the routine. Saturdays, Sundays might slack a bit, might be a little bit later, but the principle's the same in terms of the morning, that's it. So on a working day, it's, you know, a great day for me is, like you say, maybe this is fantastic, you know, serving others. I know this is going to go out into your audience, serving others, uh, working with clients. I love working with groups of people. Uh, being on Clubhouse is fantastic because you immediately you could sort of go on there, open a room or join a room, and you've got 200 people that you can speak to. So 
I don't think there's any other medium you can do that. So a perfect working day is where I know I've 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 helped others achieve what they want to achieve, and I don't feel guilty doing nothing. You know, I'm very I'm, I'm, I love a nap in the afternoon. Right, I can do a 20, 30 minute nap in the afternoon, guilt free. And in terms of a non-working day, like anybody else, it's like again, is I've enjoy, I've in the last four or five years I've enjoyed being on my own. I enjoyed my own silence. I enjoyed my own company. Prior to that, had to be with someone, all the rest of it. But whether that comes with wisdom, being older, I don't know, just people annoy you. I don't know what it is. But yeah, so um, being on my own is great. But I love, again, like everybody else, um, people feed me. I love being around people uh, at the right times and socializing. I'm not I'm not a massive drinker, if like a social drinker now and again. But um, I love restaurants. I love going out to eat. And uh, yeah. So how would you invert that? How would you make it the worst day possible and the things that would make you really the worst day at that that's, a, that, that, that's, that, really, that's a really good that's a really good flip uh the worst day possible would be whereby i don't have my morning routine right if i don't do my routine and the thing is it's not i know whereby it's to the minute it means that those first between six and ten it's my time i very rarely have any meetings or calls there unless you know there's a specific client that needs it but then i adjust accordingly but no that that the worst day would mean that that goes out the window and then i just feel like i'm in catch up all the time and it's not fair to my client because if i'm not there for my clients they've paid for my services so wherever someone has me at 10 o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the afternoon they should get the same level of service so i avoid any coaching after 334 i don't really do anything after that in terms of client facing if i can um, so if the morning day morning's gone out, then that'll be a worst day. And um whew, what would be the worst? And yeah, just that'll be it really. I think if the, if the morning's out, the rest of the day goes goes pear shaped. I don't I, I love uh what one thing I don't like is um lack of integrity and, and people keep if they're gonna say they're gonna do something, meet, call up, whatever, then and they don't happen, that really grates me and uh it's interesting. I love, I love asking the question because it, it, it absolutely makes you think about what, what is it you don't want rather than what you do want. And I think that coming right back around to where we started with kind of like high performance and kind of accountability and stuff, I think a lot of people don't necessarily think about the things that are actually stopping them from becoming the best version of themselves. You know, it's the things that actually, if you look at um, Greg McEwen, who wrote a great book called Essentialism, and he talks about how it's, it's about the pursuit for better, but less right? So it's not about doing all these amazing things like, you know, being on Clubhouse and Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook and running seminars and all this stuff. It's like, what is the best possible place for you to be to serving the most people in the best possible way, right? And so understanding that is actually a much more powerful tool than actually just understanding which one is is, is by doing by doing all of them, you know? So if you were to focus your energy on three things over the next six months that would really push your business, push your life, push yourself in the right direction, what would they be? Number one, my health, which I'm yeah. doing. So doing another another transformational shoot in a few months' time. Number two is our very uh, aggressive uh, revenue targets for the business. You know, prior to Clubhouse, I thought I had a quite a tight business in terms of, you know, um, uh, you know, following up with clients, all the rest of it. Clubhouse is highlighted, actually, there's too many holes in the bucket. So we're really tightened that up really right now. I'm, I'm launching a we launched a platform two years ago but through covid and various other things we haven't done that so i decided right 2021 is just about revenue growth and growing the business around i've got two inc you know uh, two main i've got i run an accelerator seven month accelerator and a six month mastermind and i've got products around that so this, those two lines of of um 
of services we offer and that's all we're doing for the next um, eight to 12 months the aim of reigniting the platform next year which probably requires uh, some investment and other partners to come in and the third thing is um not feeling guilty just um being being selfish selflessness you know taking care of myself you know if i want to do nothing i'll do nothing being being around the right people and you know i'm fortunate now whereby my kids are older now they're adults now so they've got their own thing um i live on my own which is which is fantastic you know you don't realize you think oh my god but it is having your own space doing your own thing is great and just being around picking clubhouse also highlighted that it's so important being around the right people and as i mentioned earlier when you're in rooms, you're more often than not around like-minded people because you can leave rooms if you don't like it, if you don't like the people in there. Um, so, yeah, health, uh, aggressive revenue targets for the business. Because is it about the money? It's not about the money. But I know if I ha I didn't have those kind of targets before, and then you realise actually the impact I was making it wasn't the kind of impact I wanted to make with the kind of people. So there's a correlation there. So I know if I meet those targets, I would have impacted many people and making sure that I surround myself with people that feed me and 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 sort of like-minded in terms of my values and, and integrity brilliant i love that it's uh it's the, the temple of a human right it's the, the health wealth and, and love kind of element yeah. of it, which, is, which is great um a couple of one final question i actually had around kind of if someone's listening to this and they thought they've heard like accountability and procrastination and high performance and kind of being the best self what are, what are the things that the simple things that people can do that will start them on this journey that will get them into that right headspace mindset to start becoming a bit more accountable to themselves and other people but also just to start leveling up themselves in, well, their, in their life and business so number one have have clarity have clear an idea of exactly what you want to achieve and what i find is a lot of people can't do that on their own so they need someone else whether it's a coach mentor a, a partner whatever it is so have a conversation so be clear about what you want to achieve whether that's in the business or life context and then the second thing is commit to the commitment so you commit to saying but commit to it so if you say i'm going to commit to i don't know getting more fitter or losing weight or whatever it may be you've made that commitment now commit to that so what does that look like what do i need to do well it's a non-negotiable you go to the gym it's a non-negotiable you eat the right foods so commit to the commitment and the second thing and the third thing is is be consistent in your actions so you've got to give it time attach yourself be committed to the outcome but not attached to it so commit to the process and detach yourself from the outcome i use an analogy with my clients nato which is not attached to outcome so do everything you can but don't attach yourself to the outcome Absolutely. That so that's zero expectations, isn't it? At the end of the day, like it, it comes right back down to that very simple stoic philosophy is if you know, you control what you can control and let go of everything else, because ultimately yeah. some things are out of your control, but the things that are in your control, you have ultimate focus on, which is, which is really good. Beju, it's been amazing. Thank you so much for your time and your energy. I love, I love chatting to people that have got a similar sort of mindset. And as a, you know, you're 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 in uh, you're in a kindred spirit company right now. So I love yeah. that. Um, before we go, I just wanted to ask, where can people find you uh, if they wanted to find out a bit more about you, wanted to hear you on Clubhouse? What, what, where's the best place to find you? Yeah, well, I'm fortunate. I've got a very unusual name, so if you Google me, you can find me. But um, for, we talked about the free games. It's okay. I've got like a scorecard that allows people to measure how strong their game is. So. The website is Change Your Game Scorecard. I'm sure you can put this in the podcast somewhere. ChangeYourGameScorecard.com. And it's a free test. It goes on there and it tells you how strong your inner game, how strong your game plan, how strong your outer game is. And once you understand 
how strong each of those games are, it gives you an indication of what your next best steps are. So that's a great place to sort of start the journey. But if you Google Vagus Lanky, vagislanky.club, you'll find all my bits and pieces there as well. Love that. I will make sure to put all of that in the show notes below. And yeah, absolutely. A, uh, a scorecard is definitely the best way to find out whether you are ready to level up and take your business to the next level. So I okay. 100% push people to do that. Right. Benji, it's been a pleasure. Absolute pleasure to have you. And I, I really, really thank you for your time. Um, I look forward to hearing more of you on Clubhouse and I'm sure I'll connect with you in a, in a few 100%. days on there. But uh, from, from me and uh, from, from everyone, thank you so much and we'll see you again. Yeah, thanks, Jack. Thanks for the opportunity. Take care, my friend. 